We are going to continue in worship, gathering around God's holy word this morning. We will be together in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, reading the words in verse 12 through verse 24 as the Lord speaks to us his truth this day. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. And many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look the, how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast, and they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip told, turn, told and turned Jesus And Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. This is God's word offered to us in his reading and in his hearing. So we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? God, we do come to you in prayer in this space and time, and we offer our whole selves to you. We thank you for the wisdom that we have contained in your word and for the gift that it is to gather around it wherever we are in this space and time. Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see our ears, that we would hear. Open our minds, we come to know and understand your word. Open our hearts, that we would feel its power. And then we ask, oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there has been an unexpected gift come out of this season of social distancing, this season of shelter in place. It it is the comedic relief that has been coming out in memes and uh, videos that we have been able to share and appreciate together. My favorite to come out thus far uh, is a woman, a comedian, who, who's sharing a, a testimony. It's actually her, her prayer, and, and she's praying to the Lord, and she said, Lord, I am your humble servant. What I am not is a math teacher. <laughs> and then she goes on. She, says, she said, Lord, the spiritual forces of, of wickedness have come into my household through common core. <laughs> Would you send your angels of the carryover to teach my daughter that if she would carry the one, we could find the answer to the problem? (laughs) Uh, I resonate with that. We are not teachers. Uh, 
And even the teachers are not teachers of their own kids. And so we all have this struggle. And, and we definitely aren't math teachers in this day and age because there is a difference, a gaping difference between uh, old math that had been dependable for generations and new math, common core, that is a revolution in its own right. And so you might be thinking to yourself, I, I don't know if I'm equipped uh, to do this. It seems the same, but it is very different. You know, some things are the same, but they're different. Uh, it's like when my kids, they went to the pantry, they went to find some brownies, and they had cooked brownies just a couple of days before, and they were so excited to see if we had any other brownies that they could bake. And so they went into the, into the pantry, and they found some, some brownie mix, and so they started doing the brownie dance. Have y'all seen the brownie dance in your homes? You know, it's, it's pretty exciting. Everybody gets thrilled. They start shaking around a little bit. Brownie dance, brownie dance, and they get really, really thrilled. And then see what happened is they got that brownie mix out. And they set it on the counter, and they started getting all the preparations ready. And then they realized that there, was, there were two words written on the box that made this the same but different. On the box, it said, gluten-free. And the brownie dance turned into a, a, a time of sorrow, of weeping and gnashing of teeth, a time of mourning. And they didn't even make the box of brownie mix. They didn't even attempt because they knew from the words gluten-free that this might be the same, but it is entirely different. The same, but different. You see, I think that that's what the Gospel of John is trying to do for us. The, the Gospel of John is trying to show us in this Palm Sunday triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Uh, the, the, the fact that the people had a perspective of what was going on. And he had an entirely different perspective of what was going on. And they were the same, but they were different. In verses 12 and 13, we have a picture of what the people perceived was going on. And, and both of them are a reference to, to Psalm 118. So if you do have your Bibles still out, I invite you to turn with me to Psalm 118 because we will see together the, the, the two verses that articulate what the people were thinking. The first is the fact that in verse 12 of John 12, the, the people come out and they are waving branches. They are waving palm branches upon his entry. And that is symbolic of a... Of a triumphal entry of the entry of a victorious Messiah. And so in verse 27 of Psalm 118, we have, uh, we have this verse that says, the Lord is God and he has made his light shine upon us with bowels in hand, join in the festal procession. Now you might not have made the link between the, the, the palm branches and uh, the the bowels in this Psalm 118, but it, it might be because we don't use the word bow very often. Uh, we could relate it back to uh, a, a lullaby that some of us sang to our kids, or maybe it was a, a, just a, a joyous, joking uh, gesture that, that we would sing, rock baby on the treetops. When the wind blows, the cradle will walk. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. And now come baby, cradle and all. Right, that, that, the bow there is, is the branch. It is uh, this centerpiece. And so 
bow equals branch, and it says that you're to come out when the king arrives, and you're to wave the bow, the branches, to symbolize his victory and his kingship. And so we, we see this, the people coming out, acknowledging Jesus as king, king over Israel, and they're waving the bow, they're waving the branch. But, but the reference to Psalm 118 doesn't end there. They, they have more to say, and it's actually in what they articulate, because they, 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 they echo verse uh, 25 and 26. They, they say, oh, Lord, save us. And then it continues on in verse 26. It says this, the people of God say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. And so we have this, this, this echo, this pointing to from John chapter 12 to, to Psalm 118. The people of God waving the boughs at Jesus' triumphal entry. And they are saying, save us, Hosanna. It's a dual meaning. It means both save us, we need saving, but it also means Save us. You are able to save us. That is what the king is able to do. The victory that the king has is our victory as well. Save us. Hosanna. And then blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That is Jesus. The people attest to. They come out. And they wave the branches and they say, blessed is he. Hosanna. But just in case we didn't quite get it, just in case we weren't biblical scholars and we didn't reference back over to Psalm 118 and we didn't understand the connection between the two, uh, we have the, the, the people of God articulate quite clearly what all of this means. At the end of verse 13, they say, blessed is the king of Israel. Now, that's not a reference to 118. That's a clarification so that everybody knows in case you didn't get it, that Jesus is the king of Israel. And that's a true statement. That's, that's, that's a fact that they are, uh, they, are, they, are, uh, they are offering, they are sharing, they are declaring Jesus is the king over Israel. But Jesus wants to help them understand, yes, but more, same, but different. And so in verse 14 and 15... We have Jesus' articulation of what this situation looks like. So Jesus intentionally, not because he had to, not because he wanted to, uh, he finds a young donkey, a young colt, and he sits on it. As it is written in verse 15, don't be afraid, O daughter Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. You, you see, that's a, a reference for us that, that we would, would have if, if we were deeply in tune with the prophetic literature of the Old Testament, particularly in Zechariah chapter 9, which we'll look at in a second. But I want us to remember that Jesus is coming from Bethany through Bethpage over the Mount of Olives. And it's there in that city that he gets a, a colt, a donkey, and he rides it down. Now, does that make a whole lot of sense to you? Whenever, what makes you more tired? What makes you more weary? When do you feel like you need a ride? When you are going downhill or when you are going uphill? I feel like I need a ride whenever I'm going uphill. But Jesus makes a point out of this and he says, I'm at the top and I'm coming down into Jerusalem, down the Mount of Olives, and I will find this colt and ride it. Not because I need it or have to, but because I want people to see the same but different and understand 
what my kingship means, who I am. And so the Zechariah passage in chapter 9, verses 9 and following through 10, it shows us both what Jesus is doing and what that means. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. All right, so that's the imagery type. But get this, this is what we are to hear to understand the difference between the king of Israel and who Jesus is. You see, in verse 10, it says, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. And he, this Messiah, this one that is to come, this Jesus, will proclaim peace to the nations His rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus just isn't the king of Israel. Jesus is king of the nations. Jesus is king to the ends of the earth. Jesus' triumphal entry symbolizes his kingship over all the earth. Same, but different. And that is the good news that we have, brothers and sisters, that, that his kingship is to the ends of the earth. If you've been with me for morning devotions this week, we've been referencing back to Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that that, uh, Jesus calls us to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. It's an echo of this that this is who Jesus is to the ends of the earth. Go and share that good news for the world. But just in case we missed it, just in case we didn't just see this same but different circumstance play out. It continues playing out right before our eyes through the entire passage that we read. Because you see, uh, after the triumphal entry, there is Jesus gathered with his disciples, and there are some Gentiles that now approach, some Greeks that come, and they come to Philip and they say, Philip, we want to see Jesus. And so Philip goes to Jesus, and then Jesus offers a testimony about about what this time of his glorification means. But I don't want us to miss the phrase that these ones that came, these Greeks, these Gentiles, what they said has power because they say, I want to see Jesus. So what do they mean by that? Did Did they simply mean that they wanted to lay eyes on Jesus, that they wanted to visually see Jesus. There is a word in Greek for that. The word in Greek for that is not used here. There's another word used here. There's another word, it's adion, which, which is my really bad use of Greek. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but when you hear this word used, you're to understand that it means more than just visually seeing, it means perceiving. It means understanding. There's something deeper than just what's happening with the eyes. There's something that goes down. That that whenever they come and they say to Philip, we want to see Jesus. We want to know him. We want to understand who he is inside. We want to follow him. There's a a change, a a shift, an, an echo of purpose because this is Jesus for all the word. It's 
It's as though when the Pharisees, when they observe this triumphal entry and they, and they say to one another, look, the world is going after him. They didn't quite have it right at that point because the only ones that were out there with the boughs waving, uh, putting their cloaks on the ground, the only ones that were saying, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The only ones we have attested at that point are, are Jewish people, those that had come for the Passover, those that thought that he was coming as the king of Israel. But the Pharisees had that prophetic word, and now it's lived out. The Greeks, the Greeks want to see Jesus. It, it reminds me of a song, a, a, an older contemporary worship song from 1997 that, that, that says, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. And, and, and that is an, an, a reference to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. That, that passage in Ephesians, uh, what's interesting, but not just interesting, but, 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 pro, uh, but powerful, Acts, uh, excuse me, Ephesians 1 verse 18 says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may, it's translated here, you may know the hope to which he has called you. That you may know that word, know, is the same word that we have from the Greeks that say, see. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. The Greeks, the world comes to Jesus and they say to Jesus, I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to know of your power, of your wonder, of your grace. I want to experience your love and the impact that that has on my life. I want to be transformed by you. I want to see you. This has been a focus for John for some time. This is something that John has great interest in. He wants us to be able to understand it all the way back from chapter 3. You'll know, you'll know verse 16, but also in verse 17, it shows us how this is to play out through Jesus. For God so loved, what? The world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And get this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save not just Israel, but the world through him. Jesus for the world, king of the world, triumphing for the world. It, it reminds us also of the Samaritan woman in chapter 4, verse 42. You see, Jesus has met with the Samaritan woman, and now the Samaritan woman testifies to Jesus, and that testimony is now carrying forth into all of Samaria. And here's what the Samaritans now say. They say, there was, uh, there was this woman, and they said, we no longer believe just because of what you said to her. Now we believe for ourselves and we know that this man, Jesus, really is the Savior of the world. Jesus is the Savior of the world. This triumphal entry is, is not just for you or for me. It's not just for the disciples or for the people of Israel. It's not just for the Greeks it, that, that that day came and said they want to see Jesus. But it's for everyone that will call on the name of the Lord he is your Savior. Call on His name. What a powerful opportunity we have this day to carry His name 
into all the earth. That there is no limitation, there is no bound. This digital forum that we are participating in is pressing us out into the world in ways that we have never gone. And I praise the Lord for that. I believe in great awakening revival is going to come from that. And, and we're already seeing a glimpse of it. One of my favorite things to do right now is, is to look at the impact of covenant in Espanol. Covenant in Espanol. We have a Spanish language ministry and worship community that gathers on Sundays, and they're going to worship right after we worship this morning at noon. And there are 10 different nationalities in our Spanish language worship community. But, but I hope you see where I'm going because this is powerful stuff. There are, there are members of the church from Colombia, Honduras, El Salvador, Mexico, Peru, Venezuela, Chile, Argentina, Guatemala, and Ecuador. 10 nationalities. But, but get this, now that we are digital, now that we're on Facebook Live, when the people of covenant gather for worship and they share the Facebook Live with their, with their friends, their digital friends, it is going all over the earth. People from all over the world are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ through covenant and I give God glory for that because it is, it is the, the, the full revelation of this John chapter 12 text that Jesus is not just the king of Israel. He's the king of all the earth. And everybody is going to come and they're going to surrender to him. They're gonna, at his name, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. We are in the midst of a global pandemic. We need a global savior and we have one. His name is Jesus. And I am so excited that the Lord God Almighty is calling us forth with that message of grace. And this is Holy Week. We are moving from Palm Sunday to Easter. And we as a people can go out into the world and in unity call on his name. Every one of us call on his name. He is powerful. He is faithful. He is merciful and full of grace his word is trustworthy and true, and we could depend on him. Call on him. Hosanna. Save us. We need saving. Jesus, the earth, needs saving. And I am thankful, O oh God, that we have a Savior in your Son. We are in a global situation, and we need a global Savior, and we have him. His name is Jesus. So this Holy Week, in unity, Let's go to God trusting in Jesus. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, you are the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. Through you, we have, uh, we have power and grace. Mercy abounds. And so we pray for your mercy now. Your mercy for, for us. Lord, we are sinners in need of grace your mercy for the world. The world is hurting and in pain. Challenge presents itself. Coronavirus ravages our communities. And so we pray, oh God, for your favor and your mercy, for your healing. Lord, pour out uh, an, an anointing balm upon your people to heal this land. And Lord, bind us up with our neighbors to worship you. Let this holy week be wholly devoted to you. We offer all of this, O oh God, 
In the powerful and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.